To gain insight into the unique leadership lesson of this week's parasha, I often ask an audience to do a thought experiment. Imagine that you're the leader of a people that has suffered exile for more than two centuries and has been enslaved and oppressed. Now, after a series of miracles, it's about to go free. You assemble them and rise to address them. They're waiting expectantly for your words. This is a defining moment they will never forget. What will you speak about? Most people answer freedom. That was Abraham Lincoln's decision in the Gettysburg Address when he invoked the memory of a new nation conceived in liberty and looked forward to a new birth of freedom. Some suggest that they'd inspire the people by talking about the destination that lay ahead, the land flowing with milk and honey. Yet others say they would warn the people of the dangers and challenges they would encounter on what Nelson Mandela called the long walk to freedom. Any of these would have been the great speech of a great leader. But guided by God, Moses did none of these things. That's what made him a unique leader. If you examine the text in Parshat Bo, you will see that three times he reverted to the same theme. Children, education, and the distant future. When your children ask you in the future what you mean by this right, you shall say, etc. You shall teach your child on that day. When your child asks you in future, saying, what does this mean? You shall say to him, so and so, three times. Children, education, the distant future. Now, this was one of the most counterintuitive acts in the entire history of leadership. Moses didn't speak about today or tomorrow. He spoke about the distant future and the responsibility of parents to educate their children. He even hinted, as Jewish tradition understood, that we should encourage our children to ask questions so that the handing on of the Jewish heritage wouldn't be a matter of rote learning but of active dialogue between parents and children. So Jews became the only people in history to predicate their very survival on education. The most sacred duty of parents is to teach their children. Pesach itself became an ongoing seminar in the handing on of memory. Judaism became the religion whose heroes were teachers and whose passion was study and the life of the mind. The Mesopotamians built ziggurats, the Egyptians built pyramids, the Greeks built the Parthenon, the Romans built the Colosseum but Jews built schools. That's why they alone, of all these great nations, continue to survive alive and strong, still carrying on their ancestors' vocation, their heritage intact and undiminished. Moses' insight was profound. He knew that you can't change the world by externalities alone, by monumental architecture or armies or empires or the use of force and power. How many empires have come and gone while the human condition remains untransformed and unredeemed? There's only one way to change the world, and that's by education. You have to teach children the importance of justice, righteousness, kindness, and compassion. You have to teach them that freedom can only be sustained by the laws and habits of self-restraint. You have to continually to remind them of the lessons of history. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt because those who forget the bitterness of slavery eventually lose the commitment and courage to fight for freedom. And you have to empower children to ask, challenge, and argue. 
You have to respect them if they are to respect the values you wish them to embrace. This is a lesson most cultures still haven't learned after more than 3,000 years. Revolutions, protests and civil wars still take place, encouraging people to think that by removing a tyrant or having a de democratic election, that will end corruption, create freedom and lead to justice and the rule of law. And still, people are surprised and disappointed when it doesn't happen. All that happens is a change of faces in the corridors of power. In one of the great speeches of the 20th century, a distinguished American justice, Judge Learned Hand, said, I often wonder whether we do not rest our hopes too much upon constitutions, upon laws, and upon courts. These are false hopes. Believe me, these are false hopes. Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women. When it dies there, no constitution, no law, no court can save it. No constitution, no law, no court can even do much to help it. What God taught Moses was that the real challenge doesn't lie in gaining freedom. It lies in sustaining it, keeping the spirit of liberty alive in the hearts of successive generations. That can only be done through a sustained process of education, nor is this something that can be delegated away simply to teachers and schools. Some of it has to take place within the family, at home, and with the sacred obligation that comes from religious duty. No one ever saw this more clearly than Moses, and only because of his teachings have Jews and Judaism survived. What makes leaders great? is that they think ahead, worrying not about tomorrow but about next year or the next decade or the next generation. In one of his finest speeches, Robert F. Kennedy spoke of the power of leaders to transform the world when they have a clear vision of a possible future. He said this, Some believe there is nothing one man or one woman can do against the enormous array of the world's ills, against misery, against ignorance or injustice and violence. Yet many of the world's great movements of thought and action have flowed from the work of a single man. A young monk began the Protestant Reformation. A young general extended an empire from Macedonia to the borders of the earth. And a young woman reclaimed the territory of France. It was a young Italian explorer who discovered the new world. And 32-year-old Thomas Jefferson who proclaimed that all men are created equal. Give me a place to stand, said Archimedes, and I will move the world. These men moved the world, and so can we all. That was Robert Kennedy. But visionary leadership forms the very text and texture of Judaism. It was the book of Proverbs that said, Without a vision, the people perish. That vision in the minds of the prophets was always of a long-term future. God told Ezekiel that a prophet is a watchman, one who climbs to a high vantage point and so can see the danger in the distance before anyone else is aware of it at ground level. The sages said, Who is wise? Haroeta nolad, one who sees the long-term consequences. Two of the greatest leaders of the 20th century, Churchill and Ben-Gurion, were also distinguished historians. Knowing the past, they could anticipate the future. They were like chess masters who, because they've studied thousands of games, recognize almost immediately the dangers and possibilities in any configuration of the pieces on the board. They know what will happen if you make this move or that. If you want to be a great leader in any field, from prime minister to parent, it's essential to think long term. 
Never choose the easy option because it's simple or fast or yields immediate satisfaction. You will pay a high price in the end. Moses was the greatest leader because he thought further ahead than anyone else. He knew that the real change in human behavior is the work of many generations. Therefore, we must place as our highest priority educating our children in our ideals so that what we begin they will continue until the world changes because we have changed. He knew that if you plan for a year, plant rice. If you plan for a decade, plant a tree. If you plan for posterity, educate a child. Moses' lesson, 33 centuries old, is still compelling today.